sing it again. Will I sing praises to your name? Amen. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. my Lord. There is no other one who can calm the storms of life like my
service this morning. It's good to have uh, each and every one of you here. We've got uh, quite a few uh, prayer requests here this morning. Um, we want to remember uh, the parks that are away. We want to remember Brother Mark Sylvester's uh, mom is not doing well, so we want to remember her in prayer. want to continue to always remember the Smiths. They faithfully uh, stream. I know they wish they would be able to be here, but we want to remember Brother Richard, who uh, cares for Sister Mary, and uh, that God would grant them strength. I want to continue to remember for our Sister Karen Buchanan as well, Sister Shelley Hawley, lots of those folks that are homebound and aren't able to be at service that I know wish that they could be. We just ask that the Lord would bless them while they're at their homes. Remember Sister Lorian Cockman, who's uh, sick today, as well as I'd ask you to remember my son Ethan. Uh, he's homesick as well today. Uh, the Pascals are not here. The Jacksons are away. The Whitlocks are working. Lots of folks uh, away and uh, not feeling well. I'm thankful we've got a big God, though. Amen. 
matter what, it doesn't matter. No matter what the problem is, amen. Uh, you can take care of it, amen. It's good to have Brother John here. We're going to ask him to come up and open the service in a word of prayer. And if you have any unspoken prayer requests, just make it known by an uplifted hand. Brother John. us so well, Lord Jesus, how we love you back, Lord. We can't express it enough. And Lord, we're gathered here today, Lord, and we brought needs, Lord Jesus, before the people, Lord, and it's not so much before the people, Lord, but we're laying them down at your feet, Lord Jesus. And we know that your perfect will and your way, Lord, and you're the comforter, the healer, Lord, the, the soother of broken spirits, Lord Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you for those, those gifts that you've given us, Lord. And Lord Jesus, and we're, we're here to worship you and lift you up, Lord. More than anything, Father God, after all you've done for us, Lord, surely we can give back to you, Lord. We pray that you put aside everything else, that we would be able to put aside everything else, Lord Jesus, and focus in and concentrate on you, Lord, and, and lift you up and praise you. And not only with, with song, Lord Jesus, but as the preaching comes forth, Father, as it falls on our ears, Lord, let us reciprocate that love, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it. Just be with each and every part. We ask it in your name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song before uh, you ever see. Hear my prayer, O Lord, from the ends of the earth I cry. Your peace will lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Here. 
amen. Turn and shake hands with those that are around you. You may have your seats. Welcome our visitors that are here with us. Brother Jason, if you can make your way up this time. As Brother Ashdown's going to come up and sing for us this morning. I uh, just got one quick announcement here from the Sunday school teachers. See, there they are. You guys are moved. You're in a different seat today. Um, just a reminder uh, for the kids that are attending the Sunday school activity day, which is the 27th of July. So that's next Saturday. Is that correct? Thursday? Next Thursday. Thank you. One of those days. Next Thursday, the 27th, uh, if any of the young kids from ages 3 to 10 are attending the Sunday School Activity Day, they need to be dropped off uh, between 9.50 and 10 a.m. And uh, if you haven't signed up, today is the last day. So make sure you do that. That's it, Brother Jason. Amen. God bless you. The song is a bit of a, I guess it's a prayer. And I've been wanting to sing it for a couple of months now and I just never felt that it was right then this morning I just asked my wife if she'd get ready the song is called Keep Me In Your Will so that I won't be in your way Sometimes I think I'm in control and I act so foolishly Facing problems on my own I don't know what's best for me My mistakes at times disturb All the plans you have made Lord, keep me in your will your hand 
Not my will, but yours be done. Though I don't understand the best laid plans that I've made, somehow always go astray. Lord, keep me in your will. won't be in your way and put me where you want to not where I want to be if I should ask for things I want just give me Jason. Let's sing that song, um, I'm Amazed. You know, sometimes I'm amazed that he loves me. Amen. Just with, uh, I get my own will, like Brother Jason was just saying. I keep asking for things sometimes that make me feel better or make my life easier. But that's not necessarily what God knows that I need. Amen. I'm just thankful that he loves me. And he's got the best for me no matter what I think I need. Amen? Amen. I'm amazed, oh, that you love me. I am amazed how you care through your precious blood I found pardon. Hard to hide. Well, though I laughed, said my life was fine without you. I was covering up the secret tears I cried. Then one day, someone told me of your mercy and the love you showed for Hill called Calvary. There you died and purchased my redemption. Amen. When you broke sin's power and set my spirit free. Oh, 
last blood I found parted Oh, my sins are washed They're all washed away Oh, my sins are washed away Yes, it's true There have been days where I have failed you Lord, you know the many times I've gone astray But I've learned your love is stronger Amen My weakness And your ears open every time I pray No one else has ever cared for me Like you, Lord Other friends could never be as close to me Oh, I'm not afraid, amen To face the problems of tomorrow Knowing you are everything I'll ever need Cause I'm amazed Oh, I am amazed How you care Through your precious blood I found pardon Sing that second verse again. I love that. Yes, it's true. There have been days I have failed you. Lord, you know the many times I've gone astray. But I've learned your love is stronger than my weakness. Aren't you thankful for that? And your ear is open every time I pray. No one ever cared for me like you, Lord. Other friends could never be as close to me. Oh, I'm not afraid to face the problems of tomorrow. Knowing you are everything I'll ever need. Let's stand. time I'm amazed oh I'm amazed that you love me I am amazed how you care through your precious blood I found pardon oh and my sins are washed they're all washed away Aren't you thankful that they're washed away? Amen. Amen. 
We're going to ask our ushers to come at this time uh, for the morning uh, offering. Just want to welcome, uh, remind our uh, local people uh, that this is a uh, love offering that we're going to be doing for the Ansong family, uh, Brother William, who they're just going through a tough time right now. So um, we do that. Brother Chris, if you could ask the blessing on the offering there. your pilgrim welcome to the house of the lord and you may be seated this morning good to have all of you with us today john and rebecca good to have you here my goodness i wasn't expecting that today but we're glad you're here today god bless you rebecca brings back lots of memories to see you there and uh we're we're glad to have uh all of you here today uh, betsy and jared and uh, for the uh, Hendershots who are here, and uh, may God bless you. I did not mention to Ben that the Wellingtons are away today on vacation, so uh, we miss them, plus all the other folks that are not here today. I don't know where we'd put them uh, if we had them, but uh, we certainly are honored for all of you being here today. Uh, the Ansongs are not here yet, but uh, we're doing this offering today for them, and uh, Brother William, uh, Brother William is uh, an interesting fellow, and uh, he's certainly not uh, averse to hard work. He's been working hard, but trying to balance full-time school and uh, trying to make ends meet with his family. They ran into uh, dual car troubles, they have two vehicles, and both of them ran into problems, so we're just stepping in as a church to help them out. So we're glad to do that. Jeremy, I have a, a little short PowerPoint in there, and it's called uh, Bricks. It's got the name Bricks in it, so in the current year, if you want to pull that out for me, uh, that would be great. 
I wanted to mention uh, as well that uh, we have some updates that are on our uh, church website. Uh, Sister Haley's done a great job, and Lucas has done a great job in, in getting posts up there and visionbooks.org and then uh, our HBT. So you might want to keep visiting there on a regular basis and, and pick up some of the, uh, some of the uh, new posts that are there. Certainly very interesting and, and great blessing uh, to see what's happening. But I wanted to add on Labor Day, uh, Lord willing, Brother Paula Fontaine and his family, some of his family are going to be planning to come to be with us. We're going to have two services on Sunday. And for the first time, I would like to have a picnic on Monday afternoon for Labor Day. So it'll be uh, like a noontime around that time, and we'll have some little bit of fun and games. And, and uh, we never have done that on Labor Day, and I, I don't know why, uh, but we're planning to do that. And uh, Brother Ron's going to be our... Uh, chief cook and bottle washer, and he and Brother Keith, and he doesn't even know it yet, but he just volunteered to do some barbecue, and uh, Brother Ron's going to look after some cooking f some stuff for us, so we're going to have a, uh, a relaxed time on Labor Day, and uh, Brother Paul uh, will be with us. We are uh, announcing a few birthdays today and anniversaries, the Whitlocks, Brother David's working today, uh, so not here, and uh, also David and Jesse Cockman had their anniversary on the 22nd. 23 years, is that what you said, Sister Jesse? God bless you. We appreciate both uh, these families very much. Uh, the Jacksons have an anniversary tomorrow, uh, and so is today the 23rd? 22nd, so they'll be having an anniversary, so they're away today uh, celebrating their anniversary. 27th is Harrison's birthday, and then 28th is Sister Caitlin Brown's birthday what today is the 23rd no tomorrow's the 23rd right anyway listen <laughs> I know we're in July I'm pretty convinced we're in July so whatever uh, sister Caitlin uh, Brown's birthday is July 28th sister Caitlin where are you she just stepped out but she's back she's back she's back and Rebecca's back and we're so uh, delighted to have them back. They're probably not delighted to have them back, but we are uh, delighted to have them back. And Sister Liddy, God bless you. Great to have you back from France. And uh, also on the 28th is Miles Coffee's birthday. Miles, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Seven years old. And he asked for new front teeth for his birthday. <laughs> this was the youth meeting, I guess, Rebecca over there in Norway. And uh, I've spoken at this camp several times. Sister Becky and I have been there, and uh, it's great to see uh, so many kids in, and from several places in Europe, right? And uh, so this was a shot of the uh, youth group that were there for the meeting. And this is <laughs> our dear friend, Brother Trevor Eamon, who took that picture. And uh, he's going to be with us in August. And we're having meetings Saturday night and two on Sunday. And Saturday is going to be the youth meeting for, uh, for us on that weekend. So... Uh, we're glad to have Rebecca and Caitlin back again on familiar ground. <clears throat> now, there she is. Caitlin, good to have you back. Um, I want to, very quickly, I just wanted to give you a prayer request this morning, and then we're going to uh, turn it over to Brother Stacy. We're going to give him time today to uh, just express what God has uh, laid on his heart. Sister, it's good to have you uh, here today. And uh, one step closer to grandchildren now, right? Yeah, hopefully. So we got one, one, 50% uh, of the children are engaged now. 
So we're, we're excited for them. But before Brother uh, Stacy comes out, I want to give you a prayer request. And Brother Aaron informed me of this one. So I've been tracking this uh, and, and doing a little research here to uh, share this with you. Okay? And, and this is a, a group who live in Dombora Mibizi. Now, I know that's not right. But that means it's the... Interpret it for me. The rock of the zebra. Now, I never knew zebras had rocks. But this, this is what the name of that place means. And it's Rusape is the name of the, the region. And it's in rural Zimbabwe. This is a part of the group. And we have this picture because they received church age books and new materials uh, over there. And this is a, a portion of that group. And they live in the country. And uh, when the brothers came through and brought the books, and you can see they have some seals books and church age books there and some Bibles and so forth, they're very excited about that. But these people are, live in a rural place, and, and here's the map. Uh, they're, they're kind of in the middle of nowhere uh, in, that, in that part of the world. I was actually surprised that they, uh, I found the, the town. And this is the structure that they were uh, worshiping in. And it's just made of sticks and some uh, plastic and so forth that stretched over the sticks. And the problem is that in a country like that, when it rains, it really rains hard and it floods everything out, including their church. And so they decided on their own uh, to begin to make bricks. And they wanted to make bricks for uh, a new building. And so they got together and built themselves a homemade kiln so they could dry the bricks on their own. And the church, in their, uh, in their own efforts, made 60,000 bricks for their new building. So they, they, they just so desired to have a new place of their own. They have this flat land right here that's been cleared and prepared for the new building. But they just, just in their own part-time, like in their, in their uh, Sunday afternoons or Mondays or whatever else when they get together and have fellowship... They just used the kiln that they made and made 60,000 bricks and have the stockpile, but they don't have the funds to do the, the framing and so forth and the, the roofing. So between myself and Aaron, we were looking at some invoices for materials in that area because we've done several churches there, and this is roughly uh, the amount that they're going to need for uh, the completion of that building. And I thought, you know, when you find a group that's already, they're already working, they're already uh, invested enough and burdened enough to make their own bricks, 60,000 of them. And that's the kind of group you want to help. That's the kind of group you want to get behind and, and assist them in whatever way we possibly can. So, Lord willing, we're going to send them over a little funds for the first uh, third of that project and then uh, let it be ongoing. But I, I wanted to show you that because I had the pictures and I, I wanted to show you the, uh, you know, just a group. Not a big group, not a fancy group, not uh, you know, you, none of us will probably ever go there, maybe except Aaron and uh, meet these people. But uh, boy, they're just, uh, you know, uh, industrious and determined, you know, and wanting to have the best facility for their people. And I just, I just feel like, man, that's the least we can do is help uh, a group like this. And, and may God richly bless them. Now, <clears throat> so we're going to turn to service without any further ado. We'll take that down and we're going to turn it over to Brother Stacy. Brother Stacy was with us in our marriage weekend this past February, and we are 
honored. I just felt led to bring him back uh, because I just really appreciate his ministry and just very down to earth, very understandable, and that's exactly what we have need of in the hour that we're living in. I don't always get to go to a lot of the uh, big meetings around, not by choice, but sometimes just by circumstances and scheduling. I don't always get to go, but this past week I got to go to a little meeting out in the country in Virginia, just a little country church out there, wonderful young pastor starting to work out there, and, you, and uh, I don't think you've ever met him. And, uh, but I, I knew the meeting was on, and I went, and I wanted to sit down and just slide in. They don't, they don't really know me. They, uh, you know, I just kind of slid in the back and s- grabbed a chair and sat in the back of the church. And I just wanted to go just to spend that hour or so in, in the presence of the Lord and just to hear what God would sovereignly s- say to me, because I need that just like you need that. And uh, I went, and I just said, Lord, here I am. Nobody knows I'm coming. Nobody hardly knows me here. Preacher doesn't even know me here. As a matter of fact, after the service was over, he walked back to the end of the church, and he walked over to me, and he shook my hand. And he said, are you Brother Coffee?" And I said, yeah, unless I owe you money. <laughs> and he said, I, I wondered if that was you. And then he went off to the office there. So he never knew who I was. Nobody knew who I was except the pastor there. And uh, it was just really nice to sit in the presence of the Lord. And I can tell you, I was telling my wife this morning, what I received from that service, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole concept. I, I thought it was really great. But there was one sentence in that service for me. There was one sentence. And he was telling a story about something he was going through. And then he made a statement. And when he made that statement, I knew. You know how you just know? Yeah. And I knew that was for me. Because he didn't, he didn't know me from Adam. He didn't. He, you know, he wasn't saying that because I was there or anything. He was just telling a personal story. And God spoke to him something, and he, he related that. And I said, that, part, that sentence in that service was just for me. Now, I believe, I'm confident enough in our God that I believe God has a sentence or two for you here today. But you know what you got to do? you got to pull on the gift, and you got to say, Lord, Brother Stacy doesn't know anything about what I'm going through. And you're sovereignly able to just, just speak words through him to minister to my heart and my need. And I believe God will do that if you ask him. So you have to pull on that gift and, and just present your need before him. And don't stop worshiping just because we've stopped singing. Worship carries right on through. And, and we just want uh, to let uh, our brother have his way. And, and you reach out to God for that, for that which fills your cup today. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing that little chorus, Have Your Way. And we'll invite Brother Stacy to come. Have your way. Yes, have your way.
Praise the Lord. I think that's what we want is the Lord have his way. You know, in every part of our lives, have his way. Whether it be our homes, our families, our, our church, our walk with him. Because we want God's way in our life because it's, it's everyday working, right? God have his way in me. Because he's the one that's making us what we ought to be. <clears throat> Without him, we're just walking in vanity. But, and we might have our own way. But when we get our own way, that's not the way that God wants us to have. His way is always different than our ways. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. And I think that's something we got to remember. We think we got the good thought, but really it's God's got the good thought. We may pick up God's thinking on the matter. But when it comes to us thinking, it usually is wrong most of the time. Amen. It seems like it. We've always got to challenge our thoughts and make sure it's with the word. Amen. Good to be here. God bless you. Good to see you again. It's been a little while. Glad to Brother Barry inviting us here to, to be with you. And you just pray that God will have his way today. Amen. Greetings from the church in Orlando. May God just bless them here. We're, we're missing them, you know, and so they have a good church today as well. So the Lord bless you. Amen. While you're standing, take our Bibles and you can be seated. <clears throat> I got a strange thought this morning or, or, or topic. Sometimes you got so many things running through your what you want to go into. But uh, I want to take it from, um, I got it more with breaking the spell or breaking the curse because I believe we're born in this world under a curse, right? Amen. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Everything, we're just come to the world in that condition. Nothing good about us. We didn't deserve anything. We were born in that falling state. And it was a curse that we were followed because it's the curse that we was born under, that sin. And uh, then the law came and the law became a curse to Israel because... It just laws and rules and regulations and so on. And it become, you know, something they had to overcome. And then we can do the same thing by allowing that spirit to interfere in our lives. That we can, even anything can be a curse to our lives. And we become common and, and just repetitive in our lives. And we, we miss God so many times. But I take our Bibles, if we could, <clears throat> and let's go to the book of, <clears throat> of uh, Proverbs. And Proverbs... Uh, the third chapter, I want to read this and you can be seated and have some other scripture to go to. Uh, I believe that the believers must have something uh, more greater than just a repetitive storyline. You understand what a storyline is? Uh, a storyline is something people use a lot in this world. It comforts them. And they tell stories and different things, and usually people believe these stories, and some are make-believe, some are false truth, some are mixed together, you know, but they live off the storyline. And their whole lives govern off a storyline. Today, we find today in this world, we can see a storyline taking place in a lot of people's minds. They think they're this, and they think they're that, and they run off this little storyline, and they have, they have a, an artificial support in their lives. And one day it'll come crashing down because it's not according to the word. And I think we got to understand that we got to make sure that our, we don't live off a storyline in our spiritual walk, right? We live off something that's real and something that's true, something that's been vindicated in life. In the book of uh, Proverbs 3, it says, My son, forget not the law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For, need, for a length of days and long life, peace shall be added to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. 
Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the tables of thine heart, so shall thee find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding, and always acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Not but being but not wisdom in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and moral to thy bones. Let's bow our hearts. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace now this morning. As we approach your word, you'll have your way. Lord, in thee and the speaker, Lord, today, you'll just take over. In the, in the hearts of your people, Lord, you'll just let, that, let their heart be open to receive your word, Lord, that seed of life that we can leave this place, Lord, with more revelation, understanding from your mind, not from ourselves. We ask you to bless the services, bless the little church, the group today. Watch us now in Jesus' name. We ask and pray, Lord. Amen. God bless you. I also wonder, kind of thought we would go there. Again, the message comes from, uh, I would just the uh, uh, breaking the spell. You know, if you know in the garden, we know what happened. The serpent came and, and, and we find out that the serpent, if you look in the, in the Greek understanding what serpent is, it tells us that it's an enchantment or a whispering of a secret. That's what the Greek meaning of serpent is, a whispering of a secret or a spell or enchantment. So Eve was under a spell or an enchantment of what the serpent began to beguile her with. And he entertained her and began to bring that anointing upon her that she began to see things that really wasn't right. And, and she ran with that. But this serpent has that type of atmosphere of, of a whispering. You know, the serpent's anointing does that. We can see everywhere. And I bring that there because when we find that this is exactly what the curse is in the beginning. And we're under that spell. We was born under that spell of the fall. And that fall brought us into a condition that we are, are or we say we were born in the world with a, a corrupt thinking. Our minds were off. It wasn't right. We were lost. And our, and our whole life was, I guess, in, in, in chaos. We didn't know really uh, about God. We was, we was lost in a chaotic world. And that was a fallen condition. But God had the answer for all these things. And we understand where we found the answer. We found something that we reversed the curse. And we find Christ came, we know, died on Calvary, a virgin birth came to reverse the curse of the law and the curse of of the fall. But at the same time, that anointing is still here on the people and on the world. We just found the way out. We found an answer. We found the exit from the world. And we find these things, we found out now that the serpent, he become the one that whispers. Brother said that little quote, remember? He says, it's like the little bird that if, if, that if, if the serpent can, can catch his eye, he puts him in a trance. And the serpent has him. And the serpent, that's what he does. He, if you can get him to look in the eye, or get you quiet for a moment and listen and pay attention to him, you got a trance on you. And there's the spell that's on the people today. It's a trance. It's a, it's, it's a spirit of the serpent that is, that is magnifying himself today in the secular world today. We can see the world's gone crazy. They're under a delusion. They're under a curse. They're under a deception, an enchantment that's causing the people to go completely off. 
In Romans 5, it says in 12, verses 12, it says, Paul brings forth the salvation about the curse of Adam under the law. And here comes, you know, in that, the curse of the fall of the law in, in Galatians 3.10 as well. But I don't want to go in that. I just want to understand we're going to break the curse. Because we, in these, in, in these bodies, I can say too, brother, it's still cursed. Are you, is, this is not the image of God. This is not what God wants to take in glory. But there's another, another man that we understand that God's going to resurrect. But this is not him. This old shell is still under the law. It'll never be redeemed. But God, but this has to be taken out of the way. Is that right? It has to be removed. And we'll get into it in a few minutes. But it has to be removed. It has to be surrendered to the one that does the master building. And now, if you understand this, I got here that, but, you, but in order for God to do that, there has to be something in our lives that we can't manufacture. Amen. You know, we have churches everywhere. Every corner, every denomination. Today, they're losing converts to the secular groups and religion, and the old churches are dying off, the old Baptists are dying off, the old, old uh, people that used to have some basic standing are losing everybody, yeah. and they're going to these big mega churches, and they're, they're being under a, a stronger delusion and getting them away from right yeah. and wrong. Yeah. Now they call good evil and, and, and right wrong, and, and all these things, they're just under a delusion. Yeah. But there's an answer for that. And God wants to get now, but there's got to be a way that we can trust God with it. And I was thinking about when we trust God, there's something about that. Now in Proverbs, uh, I'm sorry, in Isaiah 30, we can go there. And it's a whole chapter of Isaiah, the 30th chapter. If you ever get a chance to read it, I'll paraphrase a whole chapter. But I wanted to go to Isaiah 30, 15. But in the book of Isaiah, the 30th chapter, here comes Israel. Now, Israel, if you look and see, in this type of condition, Israel is running after other, other countries or other groups trying to get advice. And they're running from the Egyptians. They're going to this group. They're going to that group. And they're looking for advice and guidance without searching God first. And they begin to go from this group and then this group didn't fail them. They go to that group and that group failed them. And they begin to go to all these camps looking for answers and guidance. But, but God at the same time watched it. You know, I think God watches things. You know, when Israel defiled God or they just disobeyed God, God was watching all the time. And he had a way back all the time. God watched every angle and every decision and every wrong going, but God was always there watching. He does interfere sometimes. He just lets things play out. And I think our lives the same way. Sometimes he let our lives play out because in those playing out, God can use that for his own good. Because we're playing out something, trying to do something that's not right or trying to find advice here and advice there. You know, I always thought the people, I tell the church, you know, we'll go and look for advice for sisters or having babies and new babies. And they go and look for psychologists and look for uh, children's psychologists and look for marriage counselors and, and all these things. This is how to raise children. And you forgot that you have the church full. 
of sisters that's raised children from birth all the way up in the way of God, and we forget to look and search for that source of wisdom. And we have it amongst us. And we reach out to this, and we, we reach over there. I said, you make, go to the source that's around you that God's already proven to know how to raise your children and your home and your families. Such a resource the world don't even know how to tap into. And you go to some worldly psychologist, some worldly child psychologist, and they go wrong and mess up. Searching, grab a hold of what God's provided for us. But they begin to search others and just find other groups and find other ways of, Lord, let, and, and they begin to get lost in the other, other, other nations looking for uh, advice and, and guidance and teaming up with those people. In verse 30, God began to recognize these things. I'm going to read a little bit down to verse chapter 9, I mean, verse 9, uh, chapter 30. This is the rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of God, which say is the seer, the see not, and the prophets prophesy not unto the right things. Speak unto the smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get ye out of the way, turn aside from out of their path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Therefore, saith the Lord, Holy One of Israel, because you despise the word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you and breach reality really to fall, swelling out of the high walls whose breakings cometh suddenly at an instance." And he shall break it in the breaking of potters, vessels that is broken in pieces. And he shall not spare so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a shred to take fire from the heath, nor to take water without out of the pit. Verse 15. So he understands there's going to be a breaking. We're going to break this whole thing up. Verse 15. For thus said the Lord your God. The Holy One of Israel in returning and rest shall be in returning and rest shall ye be saved. Amen. Here they had no confidence in God, but they needed a confidence. You know, you can't have trust without have confidence. God needs confidence. He needs your confidence. You want to know, well, Lord, I, 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 I don't have confidence. Then you can't trust God in anything. You got to know that God is God and he's more than able to do what he's going to do. And he has you under his hand and you're confident that God has you in his hands. Your name's on the Lamb's Book of Life. Are you confident? His name, your name's there. Can it be taken off? You're confident that he will maintain and keep you. That keeps you coming to church, knowing that you're confident that God's going to meet you there. And when you go home, you're confident that God has guided you through every step. Your confidence is there. But he watch, he says here, return and you shall rest and shall be saved in quietness and in confidence shall your strength and would and ye, but ye would not. He gave them the option, but some said, but you wouldn't want that. You don't want to rest in a silent, quiet confidence. You want other things to entertain you. And I think I was talking about a, a quiet confidence. You ever thought about a quiet confidence? Not loud things, not running around. We like the church, we like to sing, we like to shout, and that's fun. I like that too. I enjoy worship. But when all that worship and all the music settles down, 
<laughs> There's got to be something you have a hold of greater than the music, greater than the worship, because one day we might not have music. We not might have the, real, the, the privilege of coming to church. We might have to meet somewhere else one day. You can't rely on the church to come and give me confidence. You can't rely on your pastor to give you the quietness. You can't rely on anyone to give you that quietness. That's become you and God, a quiet confidence that you have in him. Now, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says this. You might know uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It talks about how that there's something that we got to go before God with, the, with boldness. You know the boldness of God? you got to approach God with a boldness. Now watch what he says here. Rubies of 4.16. Just a simple, quite simple scripture. Just to understand. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that ye may obtain mercy and find grace in the, time, in the help in the time of need. Now boldness is not something you go with arrogance. Boldness is an attitude. The attitude of strong confidence in God. I have strong confidence in Jesus Christ. So now because I have that strong confidence, I can approach God with a right attitude that we say you have the boldness to stand. Remember the queen went before the king. And she went before the king knowing she's going to die. But she went there in confidence. Her boldness, yes, but she went there knowing that God had called her to be. This was her hour. This is the day that she, she had to make a stand, and she knew that this is the hour that she was called in. And she knew that God had placed her in the kingship, in that position as queen, for a moment of the hour. Amen. And so she walked before the king knowing death could strike her any moment, but she had confidence. Amen. And it brought, gave her boldness to approach the king. That's the type of confidence the bride needs when we approach God in anything. Not arrogance. Not that you're bigger or better than anyone else. We're all growing in the same. We're all growing. If we was all perfect, there would be, no, there would be a rapture already gone. But we're not ready yet. God's still making us and molding us in the image of Christ. So I wanted to go that way to understand. But there's also an artificial confidence and there's what we mess up at. An artificial confidence comes to the place that we have a storyline. Well, I'm a message believer for 25 years. Well, I, I, I've, been, I've, been doing the, I've been preaching for 25 years. I mean, I, I must have just got to be right. And you use that as, a, as, as confidence. Don't make a difference how long you've been preaching or where you was raised up or how long you've been the message and all these things. Those are artificial confidences that you can lay in your life and say, well, I've been this. How long are you going to people come to church? I said, don't ask them how long you've been in the message. What difference does it make how long you've been in the message? Or how long you've been in the message? What difference does it make? Because what does that got to do with their life? You're in the message because God's given you life. And you're falling. And the message, don't make it complicated. People say, what is the message? St. John's first chapter says, the message is, is light. Simple as that. This is a message that God is light. That's as simple. Don't make it. What, what is the message? Light is revealed to us. And we're under the light. And that's the message. It reveals things. 
The message is light. It's a revealing of who Christ is. We're all in the light, walking in the revealing of the Son of Man. That's what we're at now. That's what the message. Complications, get it out of your life. And we're under the message of the hour because of God's grace. He, he, we found the antidote to the fall. Right? But we find that these are artificial confidence in our lives and it causes problems in us. And we'll live on that storyline for years and years and years until one day things are going to crash on you. Your life's going to fall apart. Things might happen. Your pastor might backslide. Your family might backslide. Not this pastor. Your family might fall away and curse you. Your brother and sister might just say, you know, I'm done with it. I'm out. And your storyline and your confidence in this one or that one or anybody else now fails and drops away. And then you wonder, now what are you going to do? If that's where you stood at and that's where you put your value in, then that collapses now where are you at? Amen. You better make sure you got a true, quiet confidence Amen. that God alone can give you. A quiet spirit, a quiet a revelation, something that God revealed to you, knowing that you are God's elect. Amen. There is where you lay down your anchor. Yes. Amen. Everybody has it. You wouldn't hear if God didn't speak to you. Everybody's heard God's voice. He spoke to you and he called you and he revealed to you these things. And those were you could anchor your salvation at. When everybody else falls away, sorry, you have an anchor. Never put your faith in anything outside of the God, his word and his revelation that he's given to you. I don't care the storyline where it comes from. The devil will, dis- the devil will discredit everything he can. He'll discredit the prophet. He'll discredit your people, your family, your pastor, everybody. And he'll discredit that. And if your whole absolute salvation is based on that little thing, the devil will take it from you. Then you're, then you're wandering about not knowing what to do. It'll shake your ground. And he says, Lord, what do I do? Your children, as parents, you need to make sure you have a good, strong, uh, uh, quiet confidence in your life. Your children need you. Not running around acting crazy. Just loose cannons. Not you know, no have a place to church, wandering from pillar to post, from church to church, looking for something. You know, we, we, we have that. But God wants real genuine believers that can anchor down and, and follow the word. Amen. And children need parents that way. Yeah. Amen. I'm getting off the top. They need parents that way. I tell people in my church, I say, don't, don't get so spiritual. Your kids hate to bring somebody over to the house. <laughs> you ever see people that way? I have. They're so spiritual, they can't even, they can't even sit down and have a conversation with you without trying to be more spiritual than you. I, I don't know why. And then the kids are embarrassed because you embarrass them in public, acting weird, acting religious. It's a spirit. You know, brother, I said, God don't like religion. Don't like religious spirit. You're a Christian. You ain't got to be acting nutty. We are nuts, and we know that. But, but yet you can act normal nut. You ain't got to act crazy and run around, you know, go to school with your Bible in your hands and try to preach to all the kids at school. Can you be normal? I'm sorry, brother. 
I've seen people with a, a, that would come in church and they would have a, a van and there was a worker van and they had all the message things, you know, stickers, all kind of stickers about the message. And then they break the law and they do things like that there and they do bad business deal. I said, but take all that off your truck, man. I told them, take it, everything off, all the stickers. You go do a bad business deal and they see that, that's going to reflect the message. So you, you are the reflection to your kids of what God has given to us. And, and so the kids got to see that confidence and the stability that you have in your home, that they can bring kids over and they love to bring people over to the house. Because they're not embarrassed. They, they, you don't have to be, a, be embarrassed, a Christ, embarrassing Christian. Just be a happy Christian that God's found you. And you're excited about God. And you want to make your children normal. Raise them up in a way that God will have them go. Come to church. Be normal. Be happy Christians. Amen. Get, rid of the, get rid of all the barriers and all the, 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 the fake uh, 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 stabilities. And just be normal believers. And love God with all your heart. God will do the rest. You can't dress yourself anyway. God has to dress you. You just say, Lord, let me be quiet and still long enough that you can dress me with a word. Amen? And be normal for your family. Your kids will grow up. You know, I've seen people that was, that, that was so, so irritating to their kids. At 18, they're out of the house, man. They're gone. See you later. I'm out. And they go backslide. Because you treated them like little, little adults. And they're not little adults. They're little babies. They're children. They need children things. They got to act like children. You can't leave them in the house and put them in a room and beat them with a message or beat them with the Bible. You got to make sure your kids are normal kids. They can grow up and enjoy their childhood in a Christian home. And they want to be playing around with children. Let them play around with children. Good Christian children. Let them make mistakes. Mistakes are good for kids. They learn what not to do next time. You understand? So there's we got to be balanced Christians. There's the quiet confidence we have. It settles you down. It brings peace and stability in your life. You come you become stabilized in your experiences. If you run around with a false belief and a false support, you go crazy. Anxious. You don't act right. You feel different. You act different. It it becomes nothing but just a a, a storyline in your life. And and then you find out there's always fear still hanging around your life. Oh, God, we all are making sure we're living right. How many don't do that? You go, Lord Jesus, forgive me my shortcomings, my sins. I shouldn't do these things. Help me, Lord, to be better. Help me. That's normal for us to do that. Right? That's normal. But you have confidence that God heard you and he's going to take care of that. And when you make a mistake, you have confidence that the blood of Jesus Christ covers that. You believe that? He says you ask forgiveness. He's faithful because you have confidence in the blood and the covering. Real confidence. The fear of God's covering you is no longer, whoa, he's going to cover me. Your fear is not there no more. Fake artificial confidence always has fear behind it. Well, if I don't do this, oh, God, and and it keeps you unbalanced. When things fall away, it keeps you fearful. It's not a good thing to have in your life. Fear is not good. good. Am I still a Christian? That's what happens. 
Oh God, I'm still a Christian. You question everything God's given to you. You question every revelation. You question everything that God's shown you. You question why? Because you're trying to live off a storyline that you have not been revealed to you yet. And you run off on that that little thing. Does grace still work for me? Of course grace still works for you. Sufficient. Grace is always effective. It's, 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 It's there for you. Anytime you need, grace is always there. Do you question the grace of God? So I want to go this place in a little further. So, but that, that it's, it's, it's hidden insecurities in your life. Complexes are raised up because we don't have a, a true confidence in God. We're questioning everything. Our lives are messed up, but don't do that. You're back and forth, you know. We have that problem in our lives. This church, the people, this, the, I come in the message, I thought this is perfect people. I did. I went to Jeffersonville on Easter Sunday back in the 80s. It was 85. First time I went, I'm going to almost the closest thing to heaven that I could find on earth. Went to the tabernacle on Easter service. They had services then. And I walked and I sit down and I thought, I thought I was in a Baptist church. I thought, who these people can't be Christian. Maybe they're visitors, but they weren't visitors. That was their group. And I was so uh, just shocked, knocked off my rock. I didn't understand. How can these people message me by coming to the Branham Tabernacle? And that's how they're acting and looking. And it, it bothered me. But it didn't worry me because I know God had called me. But those are things that we can stable, can just disrupt your life. And people come to church. They want to see stabilized people. They want to see someone that has confidence in God. Don't let your confidence be worried about things like that. You just love and trust God with all your heart. And, and when somebody comes in, you just greet them in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. We're so happy to come to church. I don't care what they look like. You got to catch them first before God can clean them. Don't ask them any questions. Don't ask them. Don't ask them. Don't rebuke them. Don't challenge them. And don't judge them. You just let them come in. Because there's a word going to find their hearts and then that will take care of it all. God knows how to speak to a sinner and find that soul and speak to the heart. You see, we got to understand that people come in, they want to see they want to see God and God's in you. God is in you. They want to have that type of God. Not an artificial run around experience. They want a God that way. Now, I thought that's with the thought there and. And how that the uh, that what God is doing today and and we got to have confidence in God because it's important because if you don't have confidence in God, God can't do anything for you. You want to be changed without confidence. God can't do it for you. You're questioning everything. You got to be still long enough that God can work on you. You got to be still long enough that God can come and chip away your life. And we have a lot of chipping to do. We still got things on us that got to be chipped away. The masterpiece isn't really come to full view yet. The bride has been chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped, right? Sure it is. So there's where we are now. We're, we're in the chipping line, right? We're on that chipping line. But watch now, if you notice on one thing, when Michelangelo was looking for something, now have you ever noticed and thought about this? Talking about a masterpiece. Michael had, by the way, I said the vision of, of, of Moses. He had the vision of David. He was a sculptor. 
And they say that he searched Tuscany over and over looking for the right piece of marble. He didn't go grab anything. He looked for the right piece at the right veins in it, everything exactly that he wanted. And he searched all over Tuscany looking for that exact perfect masterpiece that he wanted. And when he saw that block of stone, just a block, you wouldn't know what it was. Some Just like every other block in the whole quarry, just one big block. That was what he saw. That's the Michelangelo. Now, it didn't look like Michelangelo, but Moses saw what the curse of the world did in that block of stone. The block covered Moses. You couldn't see him. That old world of the, of the world had stoned in the vision of God in that quarry of that great slab of rock. And you couldn't see it. No one could see it. Only Michelangelo could see it because he had a vision that what was inside that block of marble was Moses. And that's what drove him to pick. That's the one. That's how God chose you. You weren't a Michael. You was not a Moses. You was not, according to this world, a Christian. You was wrapped up into the world, a block of stone. You was no different block than the sinner or the vilest person in the world. You walked with them. You was with them. You looked like them. You act like them. And there you were. But God was looking for the masterpiece again. And he looked and found that slab that you are, and you didn't know the other. But God saw beneath all the worldliness and all the unbelief and all the mess, he saw you. Now, that's a God we trust in. Because I always say, why me, Lord? Why do you pick me to believe this and they can't believe it? I was raised up in the world and got saved in the military, got saved in a denomination, I mean. And, but I was, and I saw these things that begin to challenge the church and says, why me? Why am I going to see this? And they can't see that. Because I was that block of stone. And God had to chip me out. You're the block God has to chip out. You don't even see it yourself sometimes. It's hard to look past the old stone. It's hard to look past the big the corners that needs to come off. You got corners in your life that he says, I wish God would move that out of the way. He will. He's chipping at it right now. Just the fact you're asking him, he's chipping at it. I think we work on continuity with God. I think when, when you ask something, God knows you just ask it in the first place. So before you even ask, he's there working on it. He knew you'd ask for it, so he's working on it already. So when you have a thing in your life that you want God to remove, God's already on the job. He's already there. He's got his chisel working. Don't be worried about the sounds of the chisel blow, chisel blow, blows. All the chipping, let it just enjoy the sound of it. It's not, it's not easy being chipped. When you hear and feel God working on your lives, he's hewing out of that great stone and the image he has in his mind before the world begins. And that sculpture, Michelangelo saw all those things and he took those big old Stones and, you know, every chisel, you know, remember the, the chisel arsenal or the chipping tools that sculptures use has a bunch of different types of tools, not just a hammer and a big old chisel. 
You got the fine chisels, you got big chisels, small hammers, little hammers, all kind of little tools. God uses all those tools because every part of your life needs a certain touch and a certain way that God can chip at it. Mine need a big old hammer to knock off a big block of your life. But when he knocks that block off, he picks another little chisel and taps out a little detail. So God's moving in our lives by angles and chisels and blocks and stones and just putting away and moving our lives and bringing us into that place. So what did God do? God saw you completed and finished. Michelangelo saw Moses in that sculpture completed and finished. That's all. He saw it already. That's why the spiritual anointing of Michelangelo, when he, when he finished it, he struck it because that's exactly what he saw in the quarry. Amen. And he brought it to life. Amen. See, our lives are that way. God is always chipping up our lives, moving the schedule, moving the chisel, chipping away here, chipping away there. The sovereignty of God with a hammer and that hammer is taken away and used it. And all those little things in your life that he works on. Can I say this? Your trials are God's chisels. Your hardships, God's chisels. Your failures are God's chisels. God watches you and your life moving. And he magnifies himself by when you make a mistake and you do this, God's work is moving. The Holy Ghost guides you, leads you into all things and shows you things to come. The Holy Ghost hand of God is chiseling your life by the problems you overcome. The trials, the stress, the issues, raising your, your my parents. If you have children and you have a one year old, you're happy. You got a one year old key child and God's going to use that one year old child to chisel away at your life. He will. And then when that little baby gets about eight years old, the chisel changes and she's still chiseling away at your life. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. You've never been, a, never been a, a parent of an eight-year-old before. Everything, every year, every year is new to you, you know. Kids are getting older every year and you become a new parent every year. Because a, a girl at eight is not a girl at 17. A lot more chiseling is taking place in your life then. <laughs> the bigger the hammer seems to get bigger. And she wears you out. Oh, God, help me, help me. And what is she doing? Forming you to be a better parent. Now, you're doing, you're the chisel for her too now. It goes both ways. The wife is a chisel to the husband. He needs a good chisel like that. Wives are great chisels for the family. Because to be honest, I think sometimes the women are more spiritual than men. Really? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just say that because my wife's here. <laughs> but wives are the greatest chisel the family has because the, even the prophet of God said she was the fifth gospel, so she's got to be a better chisel. Amen. So she's a chisel and chisel. She chisels you out, and she chisels the, chisel, the girls out, and she chisels the boys out. And you step back and try to be the good guy and get the old cloth and start wiping down the dust. Sometimes men do that. Men are with girls, they're their daughters. Men are always at one, come here, honey. Don't hurt her. She's my girl. And the daughter's mother says, you get away. I'm a chicken. <laughs> uh, but that she's my baby girl. Always will be. And always. And my son is her baby. And I said, stop it. Send him out and mow the grass. He's got allergies. Put a mask on him. 
No, it's always that way. So your marriage is a big chisel in our lives. You grow, mature together, you get old together. And when you get old, you get different chisels in your life. Now your wife's older and you're older and you get ornery and you have these old, old things going on and you God's still working. He's still chiseling. You're married. Your whole life is God chiseling. One day, God will use this one and use that one and use your pastor and use your evangelist and use this and use your brother and sister in Christ to work you up. And God uses that. The pastor comes and preaches the gospel and chisels away. The evangelist comes and gets a big hammer and hits away. God has used the fivefold ministry to perfect the saints. Not the man, but the anointing of God that comes across the pulpit is there for God to use to chisel away at God's bride because he sees a masterpiece hidden on a bunch of blocks. All you are is blocks, but God's got a masterpiece hidden inside of you. But we got to do, have enough confidence to see that that's the masterpiece God sees. I don't see it. I see it by revelation, but I don't see it in the mirror. But God sees it already. So if we can get through all the chiseling and all the block work and all the sounds and all the hurts, all the oppositions, all the circumstances, get through the trials and the tasks, get through the old church fights and church battles and worldly battles and work battles and this battle, you're in a great chisel factory. So when, when you understand when you go through times, just believe and think, God, I'm in the chisel factory of Jehovah. I'm in, the, I'm in the, 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 uh, the studio of God's chisel factory. And God uses the world, be honest, can use any hand to work you in whatever you need done. He'll use your boss to do it. What is he going to bring out God in you? So, you know, if we can look at God's chisel away in our lives as that way, we can understand when we go through an issue in our life. That Lord says, thank you. I don't know what I needed, but you know you had to work on that area. You had to smooth it down a little bit. So when you hear the chip, 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 and chipping at your soul, take comfort and trust in the sovereignty of God. Is that all right? He'll stick with you all the way to the end. He won't, he won't let you go unfinished. Michelangelo stood there and finished that all the way to the end. He won't let the vision stop. God's vision is you is greater than you are. It's greater than all your problems. It's greater than all those big, big old things that are still hanging on you. It's greater than that. Have enough faith and confidence in God that he'll, he knows where to hit you at. He'll never, ever leave you nor forsake you. But he'll always make sure he hits you in the right spot at the right time because every part of a masterpiece is always predetermined in the mind of the master to make sure everything's cut, when it should be cut, and why it should be cut, and how it should be cut. Or he might cut off an arm before he has an arm. But God's got to make sure that everything in that vision every day has a certain type of area God's going to chisel our lives at. So we look at, our, look at the movement of this message, for instance. We see that at one time we were this way. We moved, we grew, we matured, we moved, we grew, we matured. And then we find out people are messing over here. People fall away here. People do this. It's God still chiseling. Where is your faith at? The wind shakes and moves you around, anchors you down deeper. Chiseling going on. Just think about God's chisel hall, God's chisel workshop is every part of your life. Your children, your wives, your husbands, your jobs, 
the world, the devil, he uses the devil. He used Pharaoh to push Israel out of Egypt. Yes. He used, the, he used Moses to go out and hide and, and run away. And, and you think that shocked God? God? Nothing shocks God. He knew Moses was going to do it. He run, hightailed it out and feel a scaredy cat. Got, in, got there, become a shepherd. Got him in place to burn all the world, all the Egypt out of him. He had to put him out there. And then he met the pillar of fire. And now he went through that motion and went back to Egypt and conquered Egypt. One man, one man army. And did all that through, all that through the cross-land waters and go on. Now the bride's here, and we went through ages and ages and ages. God's children went the bride. Here we are today in this age, the moving of the Holy Ghost in this last hour. God ain't stopped. But what are we going to do about that? How are we going to address God that way? What are we going to think about all these things in our life? What is God doing in our life? Don't worry about the noise. Don't worry about all the hard preaching. Don't worry about the trials and the issues you got to overcome. Those are part of God's training and God's guidance in your life. And putting you through all that is good for you. Because all things work together for the good to them that love God. We are his handmanship, workmanship. God's working and working and working all the time in your life. So the little things you have, let those things in your life, look at them a different way. Not that I'm cursed or I'm not saved. Oh, God, don't love me no more. Don't have that. That shows you don't have confidence. And though us say, when you have a bad day or a bad year, is God with me anymore? God never will leave you. He told you that. Have confidence in his word. You just feel God forsaken because things ain't going right with you. And you get mad and you get upset and you take it out on your wife and your wife takes it on her husband and you have a big fight in the home. Forget all that. Remember what God is doing. God is using that to chip away at your lives and make you the masterpiece he wants. One day is going to be a rapture. He ain't got time to waste. We don't know when it is, but God's going to be working on you until the last day, the last one, the last chip, the last hammer blow. And when it's all done, the rapture takes place. But he won't stop until that last one is perfected. And that last one comes in vision. And when he sees that last one and exactly how he saw that one and that marble block, he'll strike that image. As, that's exactly truth. And the spiritual anointing on God will cause a rapture. I believe it. Amen. Once it's all done, the last one comes in, it's over with. No more chiseling needed. The bride goes up as a masterpiece with a masterpiece husband and a masterpiece family. We talk about a master. We think God's a masterpiece, but God has a family. And he don't let that family go because in order to have a masterpiece bride or a masterpiece husband, it's got to match a masterpiece bride. And you got to be perfect like he's perfect. So don't think that you're going to make heaven with all these bunch of bumps all over you and chips around you. Don't worry. Have confidence in God that he knows where they are because you don't. You don't know how to do it. You'll miss everything. But God knows exactly what he's going to do in your life. And every one of you is different. Every one of you is different. Everyone has different things and different parts of your life that God's working on. Hey, and God don't need help from you. You don't need to be the, the, the chisel helper of the church. Now, we know we've seen somebody have thought we should always store one. But don't get to the point, I hope it don't over, the point that you're going around and you're 
you see so-and-so over here, you need to chisel that and chisel that and chisel that. But a pastor, you need to chisel those people. <laughs> You're not the chisel helper. We have, a, we have churches full of chisel helpers, but we don't need them. Because all you do is cause them problems. God don't need your help. He don't need you to help him. And he don't need you to help someone else. The Bible says just pray. Pray for one another. Give strength and strengthen one another. When they go through a hard chiseling, grab a hold of them and say, let's just pray. God will give you strength to overcome this. Don't talk about them. Help them. Don't talk about people. Don't say bad things about people. If a person backslides, never talk bad about them. If a minister backslides, never say bad things about them. You understand? And never said bad things about your children. Never curse them. Never call anybody a serpent seed. Always bring your, always lift your children up, lift one another up. The Bible says, lift one another up. Give them encouragement and strength and positive reinforcement. Because when you talk about people, if somebody goes to backslide and leave the church and, and you begin to talk about him and that brother or sister comes back and says, you know, God save me, but I'm sorry, forgive me. And get on the altar and give his heart to the Lord and restore his soul back to God. you got a job to do now. you got to go ask forgiveness. Now you gotta, you got to do that. You guys, I'm sorry. I was going to talk about you and, and call you all kind of names. Forgive me. You better apologize. You understand that? So instead of avoid that embarrassing conversation, you best always talk good about everybody. You don't know what their life's going on, what they're going through. If a child backslides, why? We don't know. Maybe their parents had a lot to do with it. Not that you're going to criticize the parents. I'm not doing that. Could be anything. Could have been the world. Could have been a brother or a sister. Could have been anybody. But you don't know. So leave it alone, right? Let God do the work. Because some boys and girls might need to go back into the world to come back and go to the altar because they forget to go to the altar. The church can be a difficult situation for children raised up in the message. You know why I say that? Because when you're raised up in the message, sometimes you know about Brother Branham, you know about Brother Barry, you know about Brother Goodbread, you hear all the preaching all the time, and somehow, through all the years, you forgot to come to the altar. Because the church become common, and you enjoy the ministry, and you got all the knowledge. You know so much. You could, you could, you could correct a, a theologian. The boys and girls could. They know all about the mysteries, all about the message, and we have a great, great arsenal of weapons. And we can, those, but those things can be also conflicting in the basic first step of salvation of recognizing I'm a sinner and coming to the altar. If your children has never done that, make sure you don't let that go by without asking them, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? They've been with you for 15 years and you never seen, seen them at the altar. Are they saved? They could be. You can get saved in your pew. But it's always good to ask. Baptism don't save you. Baptism is an outward confession of what God already done at the altar. But you want to make sure they're saved, you see. So remember, we want to make sure that we don't, we will get these old things in, in order, okay? So I think that's a good thing for us as believers, as Christians. We got to keep everything as best we can 
in order. It's not easy. Believe me, it's not easy. It's hard. It's hard to do things, aren't it? Isn't it? It's hard to always, Lord, because every day is a different day. A job's a different job. Hardships are hardships. And it's always hard to do that. Let's not refer, let's forget, not forget that God has everything in his hands. And he knows exactly what you need and I need. As we go through God's, God's moving and moving the handle of the, of the great chisel, he's going to take care of all of us. So I don't mean to, uh, I, I hope I didn't cross any lines or anything. But I, I just want to make sure that, Lord, I, I want to be in the hands of the great master, ma- master, master that can chisel my life together. And I see that I'm in the quarry one time. Now I'm out and I'm in the house of God and God's moving in my life, making me what I am to be. That's the attitude I want. That's the confidence I want in Christ. That's the attitude I desire that I can trust God in every part of our life. That when everything fails, I'm standing on something that's stronger than me. Amen. I I did that today, went that way because I wanted to tonight go into something in a different direction. Not in a different direction, but add to that. How that God picks up the pieces. So we have a lot of things that God needs to pick up, don't we? We come to God absolutely fractured. Fractured. We're, we're, we just, and the world, and we try to piece ourselves together, but it doesn't work right. Because we don't know what goes where. But at the end of the day, there's someone that does. So he's the one that will pick up the pieces. So tonight we'll talk about picking up the pieces of our lives. And God puts them back together again. Amen? You love him? Bear with me. And we'll meet tonight we'll talk about that, that, that aspect of it. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a good thought. And I, I think it's a, it's a, and it's a, a true, true, true story of what's taking place in another place and how they put things back together again. But we know that God is a potter and we're the clay, right? And we come to God broken vessels scattered throughout the ground in the back of the yard in some muck pile. But God picks them all up and knows how to make sure they come together to serve a purpose. Amen. Amen. Can we stand real quickly? I love him with all my heart. I'm that God is always watching over his masterpieces and putting them together. And we just got to trust in his ability, not our abilities. In his ways, not our ways, that we can just enjoy God and, and, and let know him that I can rest in that fact that I'm laying at the feet of the master and I'm, I'm identified with him. And I'm, I know that God saved me. How many knows that God saved you? Amen. Is there a doubt there? Shouldn't be. Salvation is a revelation to you. Amen. This message is the same thing. Yes, Your walk is the same thing. Everything, the church is built upon that. I don't care where you're at in life. Or the, or the environment. I went to Israel, real closing, and I went to that place where Jesus asked the disciples, who does man say I am? In Philippi, uh, Caesarea. Yeah. If you notice that place, that's when all the heathen gods and all the temples were there in that little place. It wasn't a big place, but it had all the temples, all these gods, and, and Jesus walked all that way to put them in that position and say, now who does man say I am? They had the choice of wherever they want. They, he gave them the option for any god. And he stood there and waited. Why wouldn't God take him in some serene little mountain getaway where nothing could distract them? And says, now who does man say I am? But he took him to the loudest place, the most ungodliest place, the worldliest place he could get at. And then he asked him the question. 
So it just shows that, that God is not bothered. And you, when God speaks to you, the world will never bother your revelation. The world can never go and interrupt that. He knew who they were, and they knew who he was. He knew that, and he asked them a question. And all the loudness and all the voices and all the gods around them, they still said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the one. Amongst all the clatter and all the distractions. So remember, you're a believer. All the distractions, let it go. It's not going to bother a believer. It's going to be there for your good sake. God places you sometimes in distractions. Just check your faith out a little bit. Amen. Lord Jesus, bow hearts. Lord, we thank you for your grace this morning. We know that, Lord Jesus, you're the one that saved us. You're the one that called us. You're the one, Lord Jesus, that found us in an old quarry yard somewhere. And the world just don't ignored everything we were. We weren't very good. We was not valued at anything. But Lord G, you saw the value in that little courtyard. And, and here we are this morning, Lord Jesus, that, that little masterpieces are being worked on. You saw the value, you saw the vision of everyone in this building today, from little children to adults to the older. As we get older, the masterpiece has been worked and, and, and smoothed down and cut in the image of the masters, thoughts of who we are. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that it's not who we are that we think, but it's what you see in us, Lord Jesus. It's what you see in me. Lord, that's the revelation that I want to have every day, that knowing that I want to see what you see. So Lord Jesus, help my eyesight to be toned in to you working on me, that my faith will be stronger. My faith in you and your power and your healing and your authority in my life, I want that faith that when I need anything, my confidence is there with boldness, with the right attitude to ask whatever it is, Lord, and you'll be there because my attitude is right. And the prophet said with any right mental attitude towards any promise, we'll bring it to pass in our life. We praise your name in Jesus' name. We ask bless your people today. Watch over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pleasing, let me be pleasing to you. Let everything.
Praise the Lord. You know what? Jesus knows just what you have need of. He always does, and he always will. He knows just what you have need of. What kind of ministry, what kind of boss, what kind of wife, what kind of husband. God, he knows what kind of children even you should have. He's just got a whole workshop full of chisels. <laughs> and in the whole process, he never says, hey, buddy, I need your help. He doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, if you're, if you're a smart preacher, smart pastor, you never go to God and say, who can I change today? Who do you want me to work on today? If you're a smart pastor, you don't pray that way. Brother Stacy, yeah, he knows that. Just by, by taking notes on what he said today, let me tell you, the best thing you can do is get out of the way. Just get out of the way. He's a sculptor. He's a master builder. He knows just exactly what we have need of. And you know what? He's always on time, isn't he? <clears throat> My Jesus knows just what I need. Lord and your knowledge of our lives and the inner workings Lord of how we actually think and feel and Lord we, we know that no matter what we try to how we try to complicate things or what we try to throw up in your pathway Lord you, you have an end goal in mind you have an end vision in mind and Lord we believe you're always working on that Sometimes, Lord, we can all be guilty of making things more complicated than what they really should be. But, Lord, the best thing we can do is just keep our minds stayed on Thee. And, Lord, believe that You know just what we have need of. So, Lord, we thank You today for Your Word. And, Father, may it just find good ground in every heart. We love You and we thank You, Lord, for gatherings where we can hear from You. And, Lord, I just, I just pray that You would just continue to speak to us today. Bless our fellowship, Lord. And Father, for those that may be in some way bound, Lord, may we realize that you're one, Lord, who's able to break the curse and break the bondage. And, and Lord, to make a person free like they've never experienced it before in their lives. 
Lord Jesus, I pray you just continue to deal with hearts and deal with us, Lord, according to your will, we pray. Bless our fellowship now this afternoon and bring us back ready this evening. We'll ask it all and give you thanks for it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to let you go uh, this afternoon. How many enjoyed the word this morning? I sure did. <laughs> I got more than a sentence this morning. I got a whole bunch of sentences there. I, let me tell you, I'm looking forward to this afternoon. So may God bless your fellowship, and we'll see you at 5 o'clock uh, this evening. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God bless you as you go. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.